0: chapter 16 of from the earth to the moon this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org this recording is by mark smith of simpsonville south carolina from the earth to the moon by jules verne chapter 16 the columbiad had the casting succeeded They were reduced to mere conjecture. There was indeed every reason to expect success, since the mould had absorbed the entire mass of the molten metal. Still some considerable time must elapse before they could arrive at any certainty upon the matter. The patience of the members of the gun club was sorely tried during this period of time, but they could do nothing. J. T. Maston escaped roasting by a miracle. Fifteen days after the casting, an immense column of smoke was still rising in the open sky, and the ground burnt the soles of the feet within a radius of 200 feet round the summit of Stone's Hill. It was impossible to approach nearer. All they could do was to wait with what patience they might. "'Here we are at the 10th August!' exclaimed J. T. Maston one morning. "'Only four months to the 1st of December!' we shall never be ready in time barbicane said nothing but his silence covered serious irritation however daily observations revealed a certain change going on in the state of the ground about the fifteenth august the vapours ejected had sensibly diminished in intensity and thickness some days afterwards the earth exhaled only a slight puff of smoke the last breath of the monster enclosed within its circle of stone little by little the belt of heat contracted until on the twenty second august barbicane his colleagues and the engineer were enabled to set foot on the iron sheet which lay level upon the summit of stones hill at last exclaimed the president of the gun club with an immense sigh of relief the work was resumed the same day they proceeded at once to extract the interior mould for the purpose of clearing out the boring of the piece pickaxes and boring irons were set to work without intermission the clayey and sandy soils had acquired extreme hardness under the action of the heat but by the aid of the machines the rubbish on being dug out was rapidly carted away on railway wagons and such was the ardour of the work so persuasive the arguments of barbicane's dollars by the third of september all traces of the mold had entirely disappeared immediately the operation of boring was commenced and by the aid of powerful machines a few weeks later the inner surface of the immense tube had been rendered perfectly cylindrical and the bore of the piece had acquired a thorough polish at length on the twenty second of september less than a twelve month after barbicane's original proposition The enormous weapon, accurately bored and exactly vertically pointed, was ready for work. There was only the moon now to wait for, and they were pretty sure that she would not fail in the rendezvous. The ecstasy of J. T. Maston knew no bounds, and he narrowly escaped a frightful fall while staring down the tube. But for the strong hand of Colonel Blomsbury, the worthy secretary, like a modern erostratus, would have found his death— in the depths of the Columbiad. The cannon was then finished. There was no possible doubt as to its perfect completion. So on the 6th of October, Captain Nicol opened an account between himself and President Barbicane, in which he debited himself to the latter in the sum of two thousand dollars. One may believe that the Captain's wrath was increased to its highest point, and must have made him seriously ill. However he had still three bets of three four and five thousand dollars respectively and if he gained two out of these his position would not be very bad but the money question did not enter into his calculations it was the success of his rival in casting a cannon against which iron plates sixty feet thick would have been ineffectual that dealt him a terrible blow after the twenty-third of september the enclosure of stones hill was thrown open to the public and it will be easily imagined what was the concourse of visitors to this spot there was an incessant flow of people to and from tampa town and the place which resembled a procession or rather in fact a pilgrimage it was already clear to be seen that on the day of the experiment itself the aggregate of spectators would be counted by millions for they were already arriving from all parts of the earth upon this narrow strip of promontory. Europe was emigrating to America. Up to that time, however, it must be confessed, the curiosity of the numerous comers was but scantily gratified. Most had counted upon witnessing the spectacle of the casting, and they were treated to nothing but smoke. This was sorry food for hungry eyes, but Barbicane would admit no one to that operation then ensued grumbling, discontent, murmurs. They blamed the President, taxed him with dictatorial conduct. His proceedings were declared un-American. There was very nearly a riot round Stone's Hill, but Barbicane remained inflexible. When, however, the Columbiad was entirely finished, this state of closed doors could no longer be maintained. Besides, it would have been bad taste and even imprudence to affront the public feeling. Barbicane, therefore, opened the enclosure to all comers, but, true to his practical disposition, he determined to coin money out of the public curiosity. It was something, indeed, to be enabled to contemplate this immense columbiad, but to descend into its depths. This seemed to the Americans the ne plus ultra of earthly felicity. Consequently, there was not one curious spectator who was not willing to give himself the treat of visiting the interior of this metallic abyss. Baskets suspended from steam cranes permitted them to satisfy their curiosity. There was a perfect mania. Women, children, old men all made it a point of duty to penetrate the mysteries of the colossal gun. The fare for the descent was fixed at $5 per head and despite this high charge during the two months which preceded the experiment the influx of visitors enabled the gun club to pocket nearly five hundred thousand dollars it is needless to say that the first visitors of the columbiad were the members of the gun club this privilege was justly reserved for that illustrious body the ceremony took place on the twenty fifth september a basket of honour took down the president j t maston major elphinstone general morgan colonel blumsbury and other members of the club to the number of ten in all how hot it was at the bottom of that long tube of metal they were half suffocated but what delight what ecstasy a table had been laid with six covers on the massive stone which formed the bottom of the columbiad and lighted by a jet of electric light resembling that of day itself numerous exquisite dishes which seemed to descend from heaven were placed successively before the guests and the richest wines of france flowed in profusion during this splendid repast served nine hundred feet beneath the surface of the earth the festival was animated not to say somewhat noisy toasts flew backwards and forwards they drank to the earth and to her satellite to the gun club the union the moon diana phoebe Selene the peaceful courier of the night all the hurrahs carried upwards upon the sonorous waves of the immense acoustic tube arrived with the sound of thunder at its mouth and the multitude ranged round stones hill heartily united their shouts with those of the ten revellers hidden from view at the bottom of the gigantic columbiad j t maston was no longer master of himself whether he shouted or gesticulated ate or drank most would be a difficult matter to determine. At all events, he would not have given his place up for an empire, not even if the cannon, loaded, primed, and fired at that very moment, were to blow him to pieces into the planetary world. End of chapter.